the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Oh, he's just joking. He's, that was an empty threat. He's just joking. How you doing, Jacob? Uh, I'm not going to sing, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for this edition of the Bible Live Quiz Show. We have read this week Psalms 37, 38, and 39. Great Psalms, each one of those uh, in its own right. Uh, very interesting. 37 has always been particularly interesting to me. We'll talk a little bit about it maybe as I ask you some questions from those psalms. And then we read uh, all of our readings this week came from the book of Deuteronomy. We are deep into that book, into the meat of that particular book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the fifth book, the final book of the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy, meaning uh, the second law. Uh, the second giving of the law to uh, another generation of uh, the people of Israel as they have now spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness and they are camped on the east side of the Jordan. Massive, huge people group and uh, I'm sure they're striking terror into the hearts of those across the way and around them. They're, everybody's afraid. Of, who is this people group? What are they going to do? And um, so there they are, camped on the east side of the Jordan. And if I remember correctly, Jacob can correct me a little bit about the timing of this. The entire book of Deuteronomy essentially is a a record of their last, what, their last month, their last six weeks 
Uh, no, the last five weeks of Moses' life. Okay, the last five weeks of Moses' life. Can, can you hear me, Soby? I can hear you beautifully, powerfully. Uh, Very I can't. I don't. I can't tell if I can hear him or not. All I can hear is him talking. Uh, okay, you can't hear through your headphones. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, that's where we are. They're parked on the east side of the Jordan, and uh, Moses in the final weeks of his life, and then he will be uh, taken on to glory. And the people of Israel then will observe one month of mourning in his honor. And then before, uh, after that, they will be going into the promised land, taking that step of faith, uh, walking across the Jordan and on into uh, the promised land. With their first battle being the huge city of uh, Jericho. Uh, you know, we've been talking a long time about biblical illiteracy that a lot of people don't understand the bible anymore they don't we've gotten away from it we used, there was a time when actually the bible was used as a primary textbook in schools to teach folks how to uh, read and people learn to read by reading the bible and they in, in our own country this is of course long ago but uh i grew up when in in school we had a verse of scripture read every morning or a little little passage with a time of prayer. There was a time when we were closer as a society, as a culture, to this book. Uh, and, and it's uh, probably appropriate in the sense that most of our, our founding fathers, most of our founding documents, in fact, drew heavily from not only Bible verses and things, the, the text of the Bible, but much of the uh, early of our early writings and our founding documents were drawn from the very teaching of the Bible itself, the principles there in the scriptures. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that tonight, Jacob, the idea that uh, in terms of our politics, even today, in terms of our politics and our culture and society, we seem to be moving away from it, but still we're heavily impacted to the degree that our Constitution is observed and so on. We are still heavily influenced, heavily influenced by this book, and, and I would say, just to a great extent, the book of Deuteronomy, right? Oh, sure, absolutely. Listen, uh, John, uh, come here and listen to this. I, I was going to tell you a story. I, I was, I was telling this morning when to talk, the folks I out at Lackland Air Force Base. Nothing about myself, big asshole. We were talking about the Bible, how the Bible is kind of growing away from the scriptures, and um, I was telling them the story. I'm hearing, I'm hearing nothing. Of uh, Little Johnny. Hey, Soapy. Yeah. Can I interrupt for just a second? <clears throat> I'm uh, there's something wrong with my earphones, and John's trying to fix them, so I'm talking so John can hear me. That's all right. I understand. I almost an echo on you, but he sounds all right. Okay. You're hearing me all right. That's the important thing, right, John? That is true. <laughs> anyway, little Johnny, the pastor was in uh, the pastor was in his office at the church, and he was reading some statistics, some surveys, and. Uh, Questionnaires that, questionnaires that have been given across the country. And the conclusion was that we are losing our touch with the Bible, even among uh, believers, even among people who are, claim to be following Christ and part of the church and so on, uh, even among Christians, that we're moving away from our understanding and our, and our priority of knowing the Bible and, and living, letting the, the Bible guide us. And he began to be alarmed about that. He began to think, I wonder if our church is like that. So he said, I'm going to put it to the test. So the pastor gets up from his desk, and he walks down to the sixth grade Sunday school class. And 
Miss Anderson's teaching, and he says, can I take your class for a moment? And he said, uh, children, uh, I want to ask you a question, a little, little class of boys. He said, boys, I want, to, I want to ask you a question. Can any of you tell me who knocked down Jericho's walls? Who knocked down Jericho's walls? And nobody said anything. And uh, he just waited and waited. He said, come on, somebody's got to know this. So finally, little Johnny raised his hand. And the pastor said, oh, great, Johnny. Who, who knocked down Jericho's walls? And Johnny said, well, I don't know, Pastor, but I didn't do it. Oh, no, the pastor was so upset at that answer. He thought, oh, this is terrible. We don't know, any, we, we don't know about the Bible. And so he goes back to his office, and he calls in all the deacons. And he gets the deacon committee in there, all ten of them in there. He tells them about what he's been reading and the problems with the Bible. And he said, I put it to the test, and I went down and asked our sixth grade class, does anybody know who knocked down Jericho's walls? Somebody should have known the answer to that. Who knocked down Jericho's walls? And nobody knew, and only little Johnny raised his hand and said he didn't know, but he he said he didn't do it. He said, that's just a terrible problem. We don't understand the Bible anymore. And I want you men to talk about it, think about it, pray about it, and tell me what, what can we do about this problem? So the deacons got in a huddle, and they talked, and they spent a little time, and then they came back, and the chairman of the deacon says, ah, Pastor, he said, we've been talking about it and thinking about it, and uh, we, 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 have, we don't have an answer to say, but we, we have a response. And the pastor said, okay, what, what can we do about this? And he says, well, I don't know what we can do about it. The only thing I know is if I've been knowing Johnny and his family for a long time, and Johnny says he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I love that joke. Fine, ding, ding, ding. Do I get a? Yeah. I get a. Yeah. Ding, where's your bell? Where's, where's your bell? My bell. I need a ding, ding for my good joke tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, it is true. We are moving away from this book, the Bible, getting away from its truths, and it really to our own detriment. So uh, that's re- one reason we exist here. We're talking about the Bible. We we're reading through the Bible every year and giving you a chance to answer questions and of course discuss these great books tonight, principally. Mainly the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 6 through 28. I've got some questions from the Psalms. Now, Psalm 37, overall, th- Psalm 37 compares and contrasts two groups of people. If you read the Psalm, you'll see constantly throughout the Psalm, it's, it's comparing the wicked with the righteous. The wicked are like this, the righteous are like that. And, and there are a lot of comparison uh, passages in there. Now, according to Psalm 37, we are not supposed to worry about wicked people or envy them. Now, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. We, you've thrown your shoe at the television so many times, it's uh, you're afraid you're going to break the television, the monitor. Now, uh, we see actors and actresses and politicians and people on the TV, uh, even sometimes a few preachers, and we throw our, we get so angry and upset about the the. Uh, well, the sometimes the intentional deception, sometimes just just the wrong teaching that's going on. And but the Bible says Psalm thirty seven says we are not to worry about the wicked, nor are we to envy wicked people. And my question to you is why? Why uh, does it, the Bible states it there in Psalm thirty seven? Look at particularly in verse nine. Why are we not to worry about the wicked people? Uh, nor are we to envy them. In fact, uh, you know, I would kind of say we should pray for them if best we can. Uh, pray that God will touch their lives and bring them to himself. But uh, this passage says we should not worry about the wicked people, nor should we envy them. And it tells you why in 30, Psalm 37, verse 9. 
Now, Psalm 37.21, verse 21, says, The wicked do not repay the money they borrow. How do the godly people differ in their use of money? Wicked people do not repay the money they borrow. Huh. How is it that godly people differ in their use of money? Jacob's got an answer for us, I, I can tell. All right. I, uh, so look at that in Psalm 37, verse 21. One more question now. This comes from Psalm 38. Psalm 38. There is a Psalm 38 is what is called a penitential, uh, a penitent psalm. What is the subject of a psalm, uh, a penitential psalm? What if, if someone says it's a penitential psalm? What what does that mean? What is the subject of that psalm? Uh, and then we will go on from there. All right, the that's phones. the final question I have for the songs. Jacob, you have some questions, I think, from Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Are you able to? Yes. I, oh, man. Hey, John, you got to fix this. I... Jacob is having problems with his John, phone. can you hear me? I mean, can you I hear, hear you, me, Soapy? I hear you. Beautiful. All right. I think John has fixed it. Great. Okay. We're ready to go. You got right. some questions from Deuteronomy? I do, but I'm going to use the ones you chose. Uh, oh, all right. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go start off with your number one as number one. According to Deuteronomy 6.24, what was God's motive for giving Israel all these laws and regulations, for goodness sakes? All my lands. And, and, and Jacob knows exactly how many there are. 613, right? Yes, and you can tell why there's 613, can't you, Sophie? 613. Yes, uh-huh. Did, oh, I, did, I didn't mean to correct you. Six, 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 go ahead, six go ahead. One is seven and three makes ten. Hey, ten. Ten uh, commandments. Ten commandments. Yeah, you did it. Okay. Want another question? Yes, please. Okay, now this is a really interesting one. Not that the others aren't. I know. Um, number, you're number four. What two things did Moses tell the people to pronounce from Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal after... They had entered the promised land. Answer is in 1129. That was a pretty elaborate setup, too, because Moses said that with well, some of the people over here, and it's kind of made it into a, a real production, and they were to kind of, was it sing or, or speak across this valley uh, to each mm. other? What no, was, uh, what two right. things did Moses tell the people to pronounce from Mount Gerizim? I don't know how you say that, Gerizim. Uh, and from Mount Ebal. These are two mountains that faced each other with a valley between them, and they were some of the people were on one mountain, the others were on the other, and they were to, to kind of sing or and say, re recite back and forth across the valley. These two... Uh, well, two actually, mountains. might I suggest that uh, Cohen, uh, the priest, is down in the middle, just as you say, uh -huh. and he's in the middle of the valley, the Cohen, all the Cohens. Uh -huh. the, that would be priest in English. And, Are they kind of directing the choir? Well, you might say that, except they're actually reading the things out loud, to which uh, the people will say, Amen. I see. And on one side, uh, Ebal... Uh -huh. Have you ever seen those mountains? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, Except the, in pictures. I've looked at Okay, up. well, the reason that those two mountains are picked are this, is this, is that Mount Ebal, that's where the cursings are, right? I uh, don't know because the answer, that's the answer to the question. Oh, no, it's not because I was careful to avoid but it's close. Right. At any rate, one of the mountains is absolutely bald. No trees, nothing, just rocks and land. The other one 
is lush water, trees, grass. So you get the picture? Yeah, I do get the picture. Okay. And I think I know which one uh, well, <laughs> which one was which. Of we'll, course you do. We'll let the folks uh, oh, answer that question. Yeah. What were the two messages that were passed back and forth over this valley, uh, uh-huh. over the heads of the Kohen, uh, okay. or the, the, the priests, all right? Okay. What else? Uh, let's do uh, your number 10. And it says, what Jewish... Let's see. What was a Jewish bond slave? Deuteronomy fifteen sixteen. What was now, a bond slave? Uh, well, okay. And I am looking forward to addressing that question because we're going to slip in a couple other things that people are going to say, what? Do you think most of us have it right? I mean, I think you know what a, a lot of Christians are taught. We're uh-huh. taught a little bit about that idea. Uh-huh. Well, well, tell me, and then I'll tell you. Well, I don't want to give away the answer. We'll talk uh, about it. Okay. Call All right, so there's three. Do you want to do another one or One no? more question. All right. You talked me into it. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's do your number nine. How's that? All right. And that's uh, Deuteronomy 15, chapter, chapter 15. 15. Mm-hmm. The people are commanded to forgive all debts... After a period of how many years? I've often wondered what would happen if we, if we practiced uh-huh. this. Well, that, the, even <laughs> the people of Israel didn't practice it consistently, right? Well, they they learned to do it. Okay. You know why? Well, by force, they were forced. Well, to it was a deal they made. They uh, they didn't live up to the deal. Then the bad things happen. I'd like to explain something else about that, but I will give away the answer if I do that. Okay, well, let's not explain it. But yet. I, it is fascinating. Now you know, but I would like to address quickly one thing you just said. Sure. You just said that in America we're not doing this, you know, and, and all that. And, and I think there's some truth to that. Well, there is truth to that. But what troubles me is now you know. If these are the Bible, God's laws, and this is what we're supposed to be doing, and people don't even know them. Now, I know there might be a difference of opinion. Should everybody do them? Should they not do them? Should Christians do them? Should they not? I got all that. But aside from all that, if these are God's laws and we're not doing them because we don't even know what they are, how can you expect somebody to do them? Well... There's an int- we can talk a lot about that. Haven't you told me before as well that these commandments were intended to be obeyed in the land? Uh, there are yes, there are six thirteen. Uh, over half are only in the land of Israel. Yes, okay. uh, the rest can be performed outside the land of Israel, and some can only be performed in Israel when the temple is standing. So. You actually get down to roughly a third that can be done anywhere in the world, not in Israel. And, you know, but if the temple's standing, you do them in Israel, you do them in the land. Because from God's point of view, the land of Israel is holy. It's not because it belongs to the Jews, but God says, this is my land, and you're going to conduct yourself appropriately here because I have sanctified this land. And that's a hard concept to think, well, wait a minute, God made the whole earth. Well, that's true, but that's part of the, the free will business. But in this little tiny piece, you're doing things my way. You made a deal, and I'll live up to it. Okay. So the land itself became actually sanctified and set apart. For that purpose. For that purpose. Now, and the other thing I, I want to ask you, just to be sure I'm getting an understanding, from, from a Hebrew or Jewish perspective, uh, these commandments were never actually intended or 
what is my word I want to use? They are not binding, for example, on on Gentile believers. There's several. You're a hundred percent right. Is that right? Okay. Yes. There's many of these laws that are uh, required of decent human beings, but there are several, such as kosher laws. Kosher laws were never required to anybody but the Jews. If you choose to follow them, that's your choice voluntarily. It's a good idea, but you're not required. Whereas the Jews made a covenant, they must do them. So those laws, and uh, actually you've heard the term in Christian vernacular called uh, ceremonial or ritual, uh-huh. or okay. moral, moral ceremonial. Well, okay, and, and that's true. Yeah. That's but that's categorization that the Christian development has characterized the laws to be. The word ceremonial, the word ritual, does not appear even in Hebrew anywhere in the Bible. Okay. Did you know that? No. Yes, that's somebody. It's characterized, and by the way, he chose to classify him. But from the Jewish perspective, there is no such word as ritual in the Bible. There's no such word as ceremonial. In fact, hold on to your seatbelt. All the laws, like you saw, the Ten Commandments, uh, the other laws, they are the same word is used for those as what people refer to as ceremonial or ritual. Now, if it's the same word, where did the idea of ritual and ceremonial come from? Well, it came from people interpreting and trying to understand. I don't think it was done intentionally in error, but it is not just ceremonial. It's a commandment with the same word as every other commandment. Well, Isn't that talk, fascinating? Yeah, it is, and we can talk about it further. I'd like to kind of little, get, get a little bit of a handle, more of a handle on that, and particularly comparing that with the I would say maybe the predominant attitude among Gentile believers here in our own country. Let's go, though, first. We haven't even given out the phone number. Uh, oh, do you have a phone? Yeah, we do. 340-9585. 340-9585. That's our local call-in line for the quiz show here. And if you'd like to answer any of these questions that we put out on the air tonight, or maybe you have a question of your own or an observation or something you want to talk about uh, related to the scriptures, we'd love to hear from you. 340-9585. We've got a line coming in on line three as well. But first, let's go to line one, and let's visit with, I think it is Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? Oh, how are you doing, sir? Uh, thank you for answering my call, and I'll make this very brief. Uh, all right, Chris. You go right ahead. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Well, um, I, I haven't called you in, in a while. I've just been very, very busy, and... Um, I don't know if you remember that show that you had on the weekend of the Pope's visit to here in America. I don't remember specifically, but uh, what was that? Uh, that how long ago was that, Chris? I can't remember. Gosh, I don't know, but I've been... You're talking you know, to an old man now. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, I met you. You're, you're a very uh, kind man, and I appreciate your service to the Lord, and I appreciate your... That's nice of you. You... Oh, of course, and I appreciate you. Um, sorry, interrupt you. I appreciate what you do for the soldiers, and and um, that you would go out there and and uh, minister the gospel to them. I mean, that is so important because anyone that serves our soldiers and our military personnel, um, because they they you know defend our country. I, I just yeah, want to they apologize. Have, they have to be a priority for us, don't they? Really, if they're willing to put their lives on the line like that, I've always thought that is true as well. I, I appreciate you saying that. I think it is a priority. What what else you yeah. got on your mind here? Yes, sir. I, I agree with you. And what what, what happened on the during the Pope's um, 
I'll just get to the point. I feel like the Lord wants me to get to the point. Um, it was like during the blood moon, and it was uh, right after the Pope's visit. I think he had already left or he was preparing to, and then you had the show. And, um, you know, uh, I, I called, but I was so in a rush to not miss the blood moon. I wanted to see the blood moon so bad right. that, that uh, I was, you know, I was not being considered, and I, I was, you know, uh, turning on my car. You could hear the, 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 you know, the signals and all that. I want to apologize about that. Um, I believe. Okay, I didn't do that intentionally, and I didn't mean anything by that. I'm very sorry. No problem at all, buddy. You go ahead and share. What brings you to the phone tonight? What, what kind of is on your mind to talk about? Well, that's what I was calling for because actually, I mean, I've just been so busy. I mean, I have not really been keeping track of things and okay. I well, just turned on the Christian radio and you were on the air and I was like man I've been wanting to call and to apologize for being that rude is like so that nice of you I really I can't tell you that that's so nice and so considerate well we we have continued reading we're we're not doing the Bible reading program on the radio now we have it on as a podcast on the internet but we are still keeping the same Bible reading schedule and we have read this week through um mainly in the book of Deuteronomy. So our questions tonight are all coming from that book where we have Moses addressing the people of Israel on the east side of the Jordan just before they go into the promised land. So that's that's kind of where we are, if you want to kind of catch up with where we are. And then um, if you go to our website, thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com, you can find the Bible readings. And I'll be working tomorrow. We're doing a final uh, upload of all of our all 265 readings from the Bible, and so you'll be able to go there and find them, and and maybe stay on the same reading schedule, and we can kind of get back on board and make our way through the scriptures. I appreciate you calling, Chris. I really do. This very thoughtful of you to uh, call in. I don't I don't remember that. I don't, I don't hold that grudge or anything. Thinking about Chris. It's nice of him to call. Well, there's our music. Our first segment is and, already. And everybody that's online, please hold. We'll please get. We'll get us. to you. Stay with us, Bob. Uh, and I forgot who's on the third line, but we'll we'll get your call right when we come back. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Don't go away. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Lux Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. 
Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. If you're new to San Antonio and want to find a church that fits your needs or just want to learn more about a church in the area, go to the church directory page at KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Live quiz show tonight. We are back. We're ready to take a few more of your calls. Chris calling in with uh, just a nice word. Just, hey, you know, I was a little rude last time I was on the line, and, and, uh, and I don't remember it, to tell you the truth, but Chris is awfully nice to call back with that word and some encouraging words for us here on the broadcast as well. Bob is calling in. Let me go see if I can get Bob on line two. Bob, are you still with us there? Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? I hear you fine, Bob. Good to hear you. Thanks Good. For uh, I, by the way, you almost sound like you're off in the kitchen on speaker making a turkey sandwich or something. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you know that or not Great. on the radio. I found I sound distant, huh? It sounds like yeah. I'm at a I was hoping you're making a turkey sandwich, not a BLT. All right. Well, no. we want you to keep kosher. Either one sounds good to me, but I'll go with the turkey. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll, uh, Bob, before, I, I just, Bob, go ahead. before you take off, Jacob has a question for you. Yes, sir. Can you hear Jacob? No. Can I, I hear can him? I probably hear him on the radio if I put the radio on. But. There we go. Now you can hear him. Can you hear me now, Bob? I can hear you. Okay. Quick question. While you're online waiting to go on the show, can you listen to the show? It's very faint. I see. Hmm. And, and, and But, yeah, I could I could hear it. We're still dealing with some technical things here on the program. We're trying to get to the bottom of this this brand-new board that was put in here, what, a couple of months ago now? And we're still having little bugs and things that we're not figuring out. But we're working hard at it. We're, we're trying to get it fixed. But the important thing, Bob, is that we can hear you loud and clear. So whatever is on your mind tonight, you go ahead and let us hear it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well, on the, on the question, uh, I believe you had a question uh, on... Uh, Psalm 37. Yes. And uh, I just wanted kind of to wanted to kind of relate a story of this woman from England. She was from Brighton, England, and she used to bring her husband. They were an elderly couple who was in the entertainment field, right? In uh, in whatever the British uh, form of of uh, 
back back when they uh, entertained on the stage and they would just sing like uh, uh, I don't I, I guess you call, call it vaudeville uh, here vaudeville but, here uh, but I don't know what they called it but, yeah. uh, whatever it was over there a lot of the stars uh, got their start in that that's right. over there like like uh, the the woman in uh, Sound of Music. Uh, she got her start doing that as a that kid. Right? But it, anyway, she uh, she used to come over every year, and we would have a Sukkot in in Missouri with this this group I was in, and uh, she she used to sing this song from Psalm thirty seven, and it was uh, wait, uh, but she would use use the uh, the tetragrammaton name. She would say wait on Yahweh, wait patiently for him. And he will give you your heart's desires. Love that and, verse. I really. And do. it was a beautiful song, and and those people really sacrificed to come. They were elderly, and and they really made a sacrifice to come every year to the United States, you know, to save up their money and uh, to come on that pilgrim feast. Uh, the 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 seven. Uh, the, there are three pilgrim feasts in the Bible. There's Sukkot, and. Uh, Passover and Shavuot, which is also known as Pentecost, and those are feasts where you should travel to to the place where the name is to worship and to gather with uh, people of like faith and and to hear hear uh, sacred messages. Would that be and, why why they would make that journey to be with you guys? Yes, wow. and I, I, it was kind of amazing. And but anyway, she used her professionalism from her from her performing days sing that song it's it's a great christian uh song it's a, you know one of the old time uh, uh-huh, christian uh-huh, songs uh-huh. based on psalm 37 there's, but, a, uh, there's several songs that come that we sing in the churches and i imagine it as well in the synagogues today from psalm 37 it evidently it, yeah it's got some great sentiment it's got some great thoughts in it uh, I, to me i think it's one of my favorite in particular because it it contrasts the wicked with the righteous and it it talks to us about how we are to deal with sin in our life. When we, as God's people, when we mess up, when we make a mistake, when we uh, hurt other people or do something wrong, how that we can experience our forgiveness and our cleansing. I, uh, and it, I just think it's a, that in Psalm 38 as well. There are great psalms on the, the, on the theme think, generally of forgiveness. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of balance is required. We tend to give ourselves a free pass for some reason. So yeah. Even when we beat ourselves up, we tend to give ourselves a free pass and think less of the other guy when he's he's messing up. But when we messed up, well, that was just an an oversight, an accident. But then when the other guy messed up, well, that's te- that guy's terrible. Yeah. Like like in, in the sports world right now, the the, the guy who keeps messing up is the Texas A and M quarterback. He's a young guy, uh-huh. John, Johnny Manziel. They call him Johnny Football, and he, he, he right. just keeps mess. He keeps messing up over and over, and everybody's like looking down their nose, and they say, "Well, he's like Lindsey Lohan," but we don't look at our own faults oh that, that same way. We, we our own faults. Well, we just kind of messed up there for a second. Oh, I and, know and, it. It, it, and, it does not pay to be in the public eye. I would say. I mean, uh, that's right. It, it's uh, it's it's a hard place to dwell, particularly if. If you got feet of clay and you make mistakes, uh, people can be pretty harsh, pretty hard on uh, on each other. And I think you're right generally, but some people are really hard on themselves. That's one of the great areas of ministry I've discovered, uh, yes. Bob, is that I, helping people, they carry such a load of guilt and frustration yes. and failure. Helping them get out from under that, even as God's well, people, is a real well, I think, point of ministry. 
Yeah, there's a book down at uh, Barnes and Noble. It's on their on their classic list. You can get it for ten dollars. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. Oh yeah, and and it's always it's in paper book, paperback. They are, they're, they're ordered to always have one on the shelf. If one sells out, their computer always puts another one on the shelf within a few days, yeah. and because it's on their classic list, and it 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 starts out with this man who has this burden on his back, yeah. and and he goes on this pilgrimage, which kind of which harkens to Sukkot and all the pilgrim feasts, actually, uh, but. Uh, I want to answer the the Deuteronomy question. Sure. Uh, I, I believe there's a Deuteronomy six question. Those laws are there for our good always, and uh, that's why I was hoping you'd have a turkey sandwich instead of the BLT. <laughs> Thank you. Because, because the, uh, there's a, there's a, some group out of Kansas, that, and they talk about and they want you to keep Torah, but they, they say, well, kosher. It's not healthier. It's not healthier. It's just commanded. But no, it is healthier. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it, because I say that based on Deuteronomy six for our good always, yes. And and they they say well that the the government said that the rabbit is the most healthy food, but they did that back in the depression when they wanted people to raise rabbits and eat rabbit food because there weren't any uh, food stamps back then and people really needed to eat something. Yeah. And and so they tried to sell them on hey raise rabbits and eat the rabbit food. And, and that First Fruit Society group, they say, well, see, the government said that rabbit is really good for you. But no, it's not good for you. It's, it's, it's not uh, kosher. The good food is kosher certified. That's right, Bob. Rabbit is not kosher. Yes, no, it's I not. It's it's a, you see, you have to have, that's even in the Pilgrim's well, Progress, it, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, they, rabbit they, is a rodent, they, isn't it? Yeah, rabbit they, is a they heisted this from the rabbis, uh-huh. but they didn't give attribution. The, the the two uh, the split hoof uh-huh. is there to, because those animals with the split hoof have the judgment to go to the left or to the right to go to go uh, not to go to the to the bad side but to go to the good side and the, the chewing the cud is an imitation of speaking and we must speak the word and if somebody's doing wrong we have to call them out on it we can't just be silent. Like those animals that don't chew the cud. Hey, I got a question for you, Bob. The the, the rabbis, the rabbis had that, and and that's that's uh, an amazing, uh, amazing thing. We have to do right, and we have to speak right. You did get the question right. Yes, you got the question right. Deuteronomy six: What was God's motive for giving Israel all the laws and regulations? Mm -hmm. And we're told there in chapter six, verse twenty-four, it was for their own well-being, for their survival, to protect them, provide for them, guide them. So it's yeah. always these commands are always given with that motivation of love and interest in our well-being. Jacob, you got a thought. Uh, Bob. Yes, sir. How many specific do you know? This is kind of uh, probably an unnecessary question, but do you know how many animals are actually listed per se that as being a kosher animal that you can eat in Deuteronomy? That's a good question. Uh, I think it talks about. I am saying kosher. Kosher. Okay. I see. Does it talk about the? Oh, does it talk about the deer, or does it talk about uh, the clean? No, 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 no. You're you're supposed to be answering, not asking. Are you? Uh, Are you looking? Well, a number. Yeah, a number. I forget the Hebrew term, but it's clean and unclean. Yeah, yeah, that's Uh, kosher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. Give us a guess uh, at the number. Yeah. Give us the number. Yeah. How many hmm. animals are mentioned? Total animals? 
kosher, kosher now. That you can eat meat, you know, like you like you said. Well, I can think he, he it talked about the deer, the gazelle, the heart, uh, okay, and, uh, and then it also mentions some some birds that you cannot eat. And that's that's all my recollection. For a number, I'm going to guess. Okay, I'm going to guess mm, twelve. Oh, you are close. Really? Just a little high. I'm a little over it. Ten. Ten is right. How about that? Wow. Now, you want it 10, 12, or 40? <laughs> uh, you see, it's got the system. Now, two things, Bob. You don't mind me kind of using you a little bit, do you, Bob? No, use me to teach. Okay. All right. When you go to H-E-B, Walmart, wherever you shop, you go up and down the aisles. How do you tell if a food is kosher? Well, I, I look for the O-U. Okay, you got it, you got it. No. And a U, okay. and, or maybe the K. Bob, Bob, yes, explain to what an O and a U is. Well, the Orthodox Union has a little symbol, and, and they, uh, they, the uh, people who manufacture the food have checked these things out with the synagogue uh, authorities, the Orthodox Union and, and uh, of rabbis, uh, or Orthodox Union of congregations, and uh, they've been inspected on occasion, and they uh, they are allowed then to use that OU symbol. Yeah, so if a person goes down the aisle and they see boxes of cereal, they can look for one that has a U inside of a circle. The U stands for union. The circle stands for orthodox, which means the orthodox union of rabbis have checked this out. Everything in it is pure, and you'll find them side by side. Some will have it to the same price, but some have the good ingredients in it. Some have so-so ingredients. Is the OU fairly prominent? <clears throat> it's all usually like in uh, the lower right or left-hand corner on the front of the box. Or even coffee. Now, one last question, Bob. And you, you can pick curtain number three. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Have you found anywhere in the world that there's an animal that has both a split hoof and chooses cut yet is not kosher? I... I don't know of one. Uh -huh. but it, the, the Bible, the scriptures give examples of the swine that has a split. Yeah, but that, that's a either or. I'll just yeah. cut to the chase. I, got, I was I, really on. I don't know. I know the tuna. I know the tuna was a subject of of some of some uh, discussion amongst the rabbis, and uh -huh. ultimately uh -huh. it, uh, it prevailed that it's it's kosher. Yeah. Because of the scales, are, the scales are a little not very prominent, as prominent as on other fish. Yeah. But I really don't know. Okay, the, the answer that. is no. Everything, okay. coincidentally, this is one of the elements of proof. I went on a desperate search one time. I searched everywhere for some animal to have both those features and not be kosher. And guess what? This is one of the slight elements of proof that I think the Bible is true and accurate. Because there is no animal you can find it that I know of anywhere in the world, and I, I searched, that is not kosher, that has both those elements. So if it has both, yeah. it is kosher. And you're yeah. right. The tuna, the tuna has scales on its tummy, so therefore it qualifies. And I want you to remember this, Bob. You can tune a piano, but you cannot tune a fish. <laughs> I love that. Right. Hey, there's one, there's one thing, though. On, on, I'm just going to leave with one comment. All right. If, if the law was done away with, if Torah was done away with, we would be floating up in the air because gravity would be done away with, because all these laws of nature are also Torah. 
and we'd, we'd, the Earth would be flying off into space, and uh, and uh, uh, there would be who knows who knows what kind of crazy thing would be happening. Well, what are you going to do with that, Jacob? That, thank you for calling in with that. No kidding, Bob. Good I think you did a great job, Bob, and you are a winner. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's uh, let Bob uh, get some rest here, and I think we have another caller. Yeah, we have Harold on the next line. All right, let's go with Harold and see if we can get get him up here to talk with us. Hi, Harold. How are you tonight? I'm sure he'll, he'll be able to talk. Are you there, Harold? I think we lost Harold. Uh, Harold, where's Harold? I think I may have lost Harold. No, no, he's okay. here. John Signal. Where's Let Harold? Line one. There he is. I'm listening he's by faith. Yeah. <laughs> listening that's by a, faith. We're, now no. you can talk by faith. No, what, one. He's on one. That's actually one for C, two by land. One by C and, and one yeah, by Harold. So, yeah. Harold, what's going on in your world yeah. tonight? Do you have an answer for us? Or you got some questions. Oh, I got all the answers. But um, no, I like the way you say "all right." But you know, you know, no offense, there ain't nobody else that says it better than Reverend Doctor Kenneth R. Kemp at the Antioch Baptist Church. <laughs> he says, "All right, all right, all right, all right, all and right." Yes, that's what he does. And today was Mama's Day. And I mean my mother's day, and and I know it's also the Lord's day, and I I, I just didn't want to offend anybody, you know, by leaving out somebody somebody else's fault. Maybe, you know, we took Mama to T-Mobile to get her a new phone because she's not listening, hearing calls right, and everybody looks so well at T-Mobile for some reason. Everybody's so good looking over there, <laughs> and her favorite food, chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak, all right. Is that kosher? I don't care where we go. It's chicken fried steak, and that's it. But, you know, I was thinking about your show last week, and um, first of all, a few weeks ago, I've been trying to get into the show for a few weeks. I know it's the fastest hour on radio. but Uh, 90 uh, minutes, but who's counting? (laughs) Well, I know. I'm just talking about my hour. No, I'm just kidding. No, but, but, you know, a few weeks ago, we had an interface um, church service. Uh, the Antioch Baptist Church came to our synagogue on Friday night, and then some of us went to their church, the Antioch you know, Baptist I, Church. I've seen that happening yeah. more and more. I, I really enjoy those times. I, it's always very interesting to me to see that happening. I think it's a positive thing, really. Did, how did it go? Was it a, a, a nice time? Well, a constructive time? Well, I want to tell you, the, you know, the thing, you know, that uh, I noticed is it, to me, it's just not for that one day. It's supposed to be continuing on and on. And actually, there was a lady there at the temple, and I asked her, do y'all have a Bible study over there? Because, you know, I like Bible study a lot. And, and she says, yes, we do, about 6.30. I said, do you have any coffee and donuts? And she says, no, we don't have anything like that, but we've got something else. Well, I do feel that I was led by can I say that, or well, I might have to correct that later? Sure. You know, let my spirit to go over there. Are these called Torah studies? Is that? What uh, I don't know. This would be Harold's story. Okay, I but I will yeah, tell you, Harold. coffee and donuts would obviously be communion. Well, see, the thing of it is, the thing of it is, I did go over there, and he had a great message, and the message was at the end, we were all holding hands around that whole church and i looked up and there must have been 80 people there and i thought to myself i'm still thinking about coffee and donuts and i said no wonder there's no coffee and donuts it takes two three hundred donuts and so but reverend kemp said kenneth kemp said we have someone here tonight all the way from temple bethel 
And you don't have to understand him, but you have got to love him. So I'm thinking, you know, that is the same thing that you and Jacob did with that Jetson guy last week. Uh, or maybe the week before. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, explain, and, Harold. Elucidate. <laughs> Jacob wants you to explain that. He's uh, 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 that was a very interesting well, experience. I think, <laughs> with, uh, with uh, Jeff Judson, he's talking. Well, about. I was going to explain. Yes, I was. And the thing of it is, this man—I don't know for sure—but he called maybe his pastor, maybe Soby Dollar, his friend, uh-huh. Christian friend, and Soby Dollar happens to have his co-partner there, uh, Jacob, who's who's a Jewish guy. You know, and um, it, it's just tiring of always. He's a Christian. He's a Jew. He says, "When are we all people?" And I listen to that man's voice, and I do believe Judson cares for people sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. And when Jacob asked him those questions back and forth to clear up what comments that he had made, and I don't understand all the comments. You can listen to the show over again, but it. But he came to the Christian radio station. The Jewish guy Jacob redeemed him and wiped his slate clean. I thought so too. And I really did. Go ahead. No, I really did. I think that Jacob gave him a chance. What I liked about it, to be very honest, we're talking about Jeff Judson, who is running for uh, district. Uh, is it one twenty one? I forgot. One twenty one. One twenty one. Uh, House of Representatives, the Texas State Representative, and uh, he's running uh, to unseat the current uh, Speaker of the House, actually. Uh, so it is a David and Goliath sort of a thing. And I, I really do like Jeff in the sense that, you know, a lot of our frustration today as conservative voters and citizens is that sometimes we vote for people thinking they're claiming to be conservative and then they don't go and act conservative. They don't go and do the things that we expect them to do to help keep us on a good, solid, conservative uh, 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 line in, in, our, in our governing and so on, our public policy. And so I like this fellow. I, I think Jeff would be a great replacement for uh, Joe Strauss. And, and basically my daughter, in full disclosure, Stacy, is committed to him as well. She's working for his campaign with special events mm-hmm. and so on. And so that's how we got to know him, and I knew he's a believer. And I was really glad he came in. I was really glad Jacob kind of put him through the paces because we met before the program, and Jacob told him very clearly, he said, I, I'm going to ask you some difficult questions. I'm going to be very honest and straightforward. I'm not going to trick you or sneak up on you, but I'm going to give you a chance to, because someone had accused him of being anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish oh, I agree. And, and on the newspaper. And so Jacob said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very forthright, straightforward, and give you a chance actually to answer and, and do what you just said, Harold, that is clear his slate and... Uh, exonerate himself, and I think I think Jeff did a very good job. And Jacob, true to his word, asked him some very blunt, straightforward questions. <laughs> <laughs> as a good uh, as a good lawyer, or as a good you know. Ah, uh, say it, Soapy, walking around the bush. As a good Jew, yeah. come on. Okay, okay, straightforward. Well, you know, Soapy Dollar. Every call we've gotten, yeah, go has, every call we've gotten has been positive. People saying, you know. He did a good job. He stood up. I think Jacob made us feel sorry for him is what happened. <laughs> well, you know, you know, honestly, I think being a congressman or even being a person at work, yeah. even me at my job, I have to watch what I say. And sometimes I say things thinking, well, it's not going to be taken a certain way. And it's taken a certain way. Right. And I'm not saying I walk the tight, narrow rope or anything. 
but we still have to be careful, and it happens to all of us. And I don't care if you're working at McDonald's, UT, or you're a pastor, or you're a, a Jewish guy, or a rabbi, or whatever. You know, if, if I leave somebody out, somebody might call next week and say, you forgot me. You know, I mean, it's just once, once a strange world we live in. Once you're in the public spotlight, if somebody, if somebody wants to attack you uh, these days, I mean, it's all it takes is the right article, or a right word, or right, right kind of a rumor, or a whisper campaign. And uh, things can happen. You know, you do have to be careful, like you said. But, of course, I think, in a sense, ultimately, we, uh, as believers, I guess we have to watch our P's and Q's and, and watch our attitudes. But also, at times, we just have to trust the Lord to protect us in some of these matters as well. Of course, there are a lot of Bible, a lot of passages in the Bible talk about slander and, Lord, protect me from those who would tell lies about me. David had it happen. To, he was a politician, of course, as well. But uh, there are a lot of passages about the tongue and, and the damage that we can do to people through rumors and uh, spreading, you know, falsehoods mm-hmm. about people. So I guess it, it's uh, if you don't mind, I, in a way. before I hang up, um, I just want to thing uh, about uh, the Antioch Baptist Church. You know, we did discuss um, Galatians chapter one and two, and it was he explained things so clearly. You feel like. You're there, and oh, Antioch Church is, I mean, the town is, is listed in the Bible, and I've been doing a lot of research on that, for, you know, for myself, and it was just really explained step by step. People got to ask questions, and, you know, we had a microphone and, and, and all this stuff, and it was really, really, left so happy, and I went the very next Wednesday, but I didn't go to church on Sunday, and I missed the directions and they had a revival somewhere else so i'm going to try again this way tonight good for you harold appreciate you calling with that it's kind of an encouraging word i hope that's happening more and more yeah Yeah, thank you for harold that was very valuable contribution thank you uh seems to be a lot more that right now jacob with believers christian believers getting together discovering our roots in the scriptures and old and new testaments and uh, a kind of a renewing of that tie between our, in the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition, our tie to the scriptures, our tie. Uh, you know, we worship Jehovah the same. Well, we we have made a decision among Jews. We're finally going to let you all know that Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would be awfully proud of that if I were you. Remember how I always said, if he was Apache, we'd be shouting it from every high mountain. I tell you, we we. Uh, uh, we would, and I, but we are seriously. We, I think there is kind of a, a closeness that is growing up um, among the people uh, of the people of the book and the people of God. Well, we got a few minutes left. Let me let me add, read well, some of the questions that are out there. You yeah, got, you got okay. something you want to add? No, I was going to say let's because we might get short on time. Let's kind of answer some if nobody okay. calls. Why are we not supposed to worry about wicked people or envy them? According to Psalm thirty-seven. Uh, verse 9, it says, because they're here today, gone tomorrow. They, they'll they be destroyed. Uh, they will die, and God will judge them. And so we always keep that eternal perspective. And it, it does cause us to, when I think about that, when I'm thinking about some of these men and women that perhaps I don't admire and I I'm, I kind of get upset out of my, I, when I think about it, the big picture, the fact that, you know, they will face God himself. They will face the Creator it does ha- cause me to have a little more compassion toward them uh, and, and pray that, oh, that, that God will grant them the faith and humility to, 
to really truly seek him of course i can't be a judge of the heart maybe you know sometimes i may be closer to the lord than i even but uh we do have to keep that in mind uh, we should not envy the wicked because uh they're here today gone tomorrow they will be destroyed god will ultimately judge all the earth and then we have this other question the wicked do not repay the money they godly? how do the godly differ from the wicked in terms of their money and it says here that the, the godly are generous givers it's not so much about getting money but they love to give and share uh into other people's lives very interesting and i hear music I do too. and so everybody hang on because we're going to get to some very interesting topics besides the questions in just a moment it's real and so we're going to answer a couple questions and talk about how we don't follow the biblical law in America at all. 340-9585. We'll be right back. Father, let the world just fade away. Let me feel your presence in this place. Lord, I've never been so weary. How I need to know you're near me. Father, let the world just fade away. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. kind of jump in this last segment try to get uh move along through some of the questions we put out there and jacob was asking me off the air i wonder what would happen if if just for a year that we we tried god's god's laws and put them to work i was thinking particularly about in our own constitution wasn't somehow the year of jubilee wasn't that uh, this soapy, of, this soapy, uh, not the soapy, but your soapy, but I'm this, you, yes, this year right now is the biblical year of Jubilee. Is that a fact? Yes, sir, uh, that is a fact. Now, what is going to happen? I, I am going to tell you something I never say on the air. All right. I am concerned about Jews, about Christians that absolutely deny God's laws, don't learn them, don't believe them, and change them, just like as people accuse the Pharisees of doing. The truth is, all the laws, many of the laws we're doing, people don't even care to know. Many people say, oh, well, they don't work. They don't even apply to us. And I'm very concerned about my fellow Christian people that are grafted into Israel. I am concerned about them. About I am, too, about... Not so much, uh, uh, just speaking honestly, not any particular way about any, let's say, any particular laws or commands, but I'm concerned about the idea that somehow once we've come to, come to a relationship with God through Christ and we've, we've, con- we've repented of our sin, we've turned to the Lord for salvation, that once we've come into that confident, secure relationship with God, we no longer have to be interested in obeying Him, that no longer do we have to even give any concern about obeying his commands. And, and, and I was talking actually to a, whole, a large group this morning of, of uh, what we call our hotel class. It's the eighth week of, uh, of our Bible studies for the basic trainees out at Lackland. And we were talking, uh, in this particular study, 
many of their family members are also present, moms and dads and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and boyfriends and girlfriends who have traveled from all over the United States to come and celebrate and observe their trainee, the, their family member, as he graduates from basic training. It's a, it's a big occasion, special occasion. And it had a rather a large audience, 170, 175 people, and a lot of them being family members. And we're having the opportunity to explain the gospel to them and so on. And it, it did come up a little bit during the, the idea that, that, well, now that we're in Christ, now that we're Christians and believers, we really have to no longer have to have any concern about the law or about keeping the commandments of God. And, we, and uh, that, that general attitude. And, and we, we mentioned some passages from Old and New Testament that talk about the fact that obedience is crucial. You know, faith, faith is the, the way we demonstrate our faith in God is through obeying Him. And there's some beautiful passages in uh, the Gospel of John about chapter 14. I think that if we obey Him, that's how we learn more about God. God will reveal Himself to us uh, and show more of Himself to us as we trust Him and obey him. Well, I've forgotten the lady's name, Fanny Crosby, I think, that old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And I, I agree with you, Jacob, that sometimes we, we're a little bit lax in our understanding that, of how the, the very commitment to Christ, the very idea so of giving our life mind. to Christ and to be reconciled with God is the fact, part and parcel of that decision is the fact that we need forgiveness and we desire to serve God. We desire to uh, Sophie, I got some bad news for you. Oh. Uh, John is fixing it now, but you're not on the air. Oh, my little... Uh, all right. Well, I, was, I said such a brilliant thing. Yes, it was a brilliant thing. It was, it was very important. And fortunately or unfortunately, we here will always hear it again. <laughs> all right. Well, we are still struggling with these... Uh, the you know, this is getting to be a little silly. If anybody on the air wants to call in and talk to the management, please do. We, we welcome you. I welcome you. We are trying to uh, get things right so that we, you can hear us. We're talking about the scriptures tonight from the book of Deuteronomy. And Jacob, you just brought up, so why don't I shut up and let you talk about well, the no, idea I, uh -huh. of the idea of a, a, any commitment uh -huh. to God, to knowing uh -huh. the true and living God of the scripture. Well, for has example, to be a commitment to obey. Okay, right? but let's suppose there's something there that I have trouble with, you have trouble with, and people say, well, I, I'm not going to do that. That's not logical. Okay, it's not logical. For example, in chapter 15, one of your questions, your number 10, was what was a Jewish bond slave? And there's only two ways that a person becomes a slave in the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Yes, yeah, so, And you got Jewish 16 and 17. Uh -huh. You got uh -huh. verse 16 and 17. But let me tell you. Okay. This is on the Shemitah year, the seventh year. Uh, the person must go free. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean they're imprisoned. That is not how that works. Is there something you want to know? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know I'm, either. You talk because my microphone okay. doesn't seem to be working. All right. Well, at any rate, um, I'm sorry. I was listening to John. But anyway, so here's what happens. There are only two ways. Listen, if God said people can have other people as slaves, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd begin shopping for another God. Because there's something wrong with that. And the good news is, God said slavery was not allowed. All right. Um, at any rate, so um, what we got is, is that there's only two ways in the Bible a person becomes a slave. One, 
They're like a baseball player. They sign a contract, an indentured servant perhaps, and after they get the money and they work that time, they're, they're gone. But the other way is if they're a thief. Now, what do we do with the thief? That's the only way. And the word they use, slave, is because if I steal 100 bucks from you and I've got it, I give you 100 back plus 100 from me. And if I don't have that 100 to pay you back plus the 100 to do to myself, what I did to you, then I have to work the 100 off for you. For that period of time that I'm working for you, I must... Also, you're the victim. I'm the perpetrator. You got to teach me Torah. You got to teach me right from wrong. And then, when you set me free, you actually have to help set me up in business. You have to do something for me, and I'm the perpetrator. You're the victim. In fact, it gets a little bit better because um, it 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 actually says in Deuteronomy 15 and in 14. It says that you take him in, but when he leaves, he doesn't leave empty-handed. So while he's working off whatever he stole from you, during that time, part of his wages is is that he must be taught right from wrong, the Bible, by you. And when he leaves, he has to be taught, uh, he has to be set up empty-handed. In other words, he, you're the victim, and that's a requirement, but it gets better. Did you know that putting people in jail and in prison is forbidden, and I'm saying forbidden, in the Bible. The only instance that I'm aware of, and I'm pretty sure about this, in the Bible where a person was ever held in custody, and that's overnight, is when the guy was out picking up the sticks on the Sabbath because they didn't know what to do with him. So he was held until God could make judgment in the morning. So how could that system possibly work? It seems even rather unusual and awkward to me. I mean, they, come on, you, what do you got? you got to lock them up. they got to be punished. Except it's forbidden. So I say, okay, what am I going to do? I don't really think that's a good way of doing it. I think it's different. Maybe we've got to lock some people up. All right, so what do I do? But the law is clear that you can't do that, and there's a reason for that. Now, if there are people deserving of death, they've killed, done something bad, then, of course, then they get the death penalty. That could happen. But the truth is it's your obligation as the victim to let them work for you, and if you don't have a job for them, you can actually take them to the gate, as it said. The, somebody can say, I'll pay the debt, and you work for me for three months, whatever it is, but they have to teach them the Torah. Now, you see, when I'm talking about following law, we can say any laws we want, but we can't get around what it says. Now, let me ask you a question, because uh -huh. when you say that uh, about the Scriptures and yeah. someone, yeah. Um, I'm guessing you're talking about the Old Testament. The I'm talking about Deuteronomy, the chapters for this evening. Okay today, uh, because immediately I think a lot of believers are thinking, well, no. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is that the good guy or the bad guy? It's always, in the stories in the New Testament, it's always the bad guy putting the good guy in prison. You don't have the example of the good guys doing right. it to the bad guys. Right. I just wanted to make sure. But I me, figured there was uh, something to that. And besides, yeah. the New Testament all took place in a very in a sense, religiously corrupted oh. time uh, as well. So that would probably... Well, 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 the the Torah didn't later no, no, on. No, I'm not talking about the Torah. I'm talking about James and John. They were oh, oh, yeah, during that period, sure. Yeah, absolutely. But there's even another one that is so hard for people to get. And it actually, and you'll find this in 2315. Believe it or not, it says, if a slave escapes... Now, think about that. 
it's a, it's probably it's even against the law for us to do. But if a slave or somebody escapes, now I'm not talking about a criminal. I'm talking about a slave. But may perhaps he got in, as an indentured servant or a thief. But if he escapes from his master, and I'll read it to you, twenty three fifteen, you shall not hand over the slave who has escaped from his master. Whoa. So that means he escapes and I don't turn him in? Well, I'd be committing a crime to do that today, so that's not the law. But here's the catch. If you want to see, you go back and read the story about when Eleazar came to Abraham. When the, the, they chased Eleazar. Eleazar was a slave. He came to Abraham. You can see it in all the great movies, too, about Abraham. Um, the best one is about Richard Harris. They come, and they say, he's our slave, we own him. And Abraham says, well, how much does he owe you? And they give a price, and he says, here, I'll pay the price. So he pays the price, so the guy is free. And then he gives his freedom to Eleazar. Now, that is the way it was intended to be. We can make up any rules, and I know this. I know in my heart, even though I'm not comfortable with it, and I can use all the logic and say, well, that's not what's supposed to happen. That's not how we do stuff. It's something that it says we're supposed to do. So if we choose not to do it, at least know we're choosing not to do it. May I give you one other brief example? Certainly, sure. Uh, and you know this one. In the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall not steal. Okay. The Hebrew there is very fascinating because that's chapter 20 of Exodus. Look at 21, 22, 23 are little, are actually explanations of the Ten Commandments. If you look in chapter 21, verse 16, it says in the old King James, if you steal a man, modern language is kidnap, but actually the old King James got it right. Steal a man, because in the Ten Commandments it says you shall not steal. That's referring to steal a man. It's not talking about theft, physical property. Oh, it, we're not supposed to steal physical property either. I that's correct. Uh, that's that, that's something that's included, yes. But if you steal a man, and it says, 2116, if you, it says, if you steal a man and make him work for you, or if you sell him, it's a death penalty. Slavery was forbidden by God. And here's the idea. If I steal $500 from you, and then you put, let's say, put me in prison for five years, I didn't pay you. You don't get anything back. I, you, I certainly don't lose anything uh, except five years of my life. And that makes you, under traditional thought, the thief. Because what you got coming is what was taken from you. I didn't take five years of your life away. So if you take that, that makes you the thief because you stole something I didn't take from you. Now, that was the purpose of God's law. It was charity. It was mercy. It was teaching people to do right. And the truth is, we have totally abandoned that. And we have said, we don't care about that. We'll make it up our own way. So when people do that, I'm not saying they have to do it, but I am saying this. If they know it and they choose not to do it, how can we in any way say we're not in rebellion? You know, I've wondered, the, the whole idea of the seven-year period of for... for um, what was it called? Uh, the year of jubilee or the forgiving of debts? And yeah, yes. Shemitah. Shemitah. Wasn't that to some degree the some of the logic behind the whole idea of bankruptcy? Seven years for yeah. seven years, your mm-hmm. record is kind of cleared, or or something like that. Yeah, it, it did appear to seven. Yes, years. you you have that rule in there that somehow related. That's why you used to be able to declare bankruptcy and be out of debt. That was implemented because it was part of the Judeo-Christian laws. It was implemented in it was America. An attempt to kind of. Give a place for that idea uh-huh. of of forgiveness of debt, right? Right, I sure. Think was the idea of it? That's absolutely right. And it's so interesting to me that, and it's so hard to understand. Like, 
if if you steal from me, that I'm supposed to let you work off what you stole from me. And while you're doing that, I'm supposed to teach you right from wrong, teach you the Torah, God's rules. And then and, help you get started. And then I got to ha- yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, there's the answer. All the thieves go steal and they get help, right? No, I'm joking. But, but I've seen that happen without any overt claim to be biblical or Christian or Jewish mm-hmm. or what. But I have seen good people... Do something like that. Uh, well, let me tell you. The ones that I, I yeah. can remember in my mind, they were believing, yeah. they were godly uh, Christian people sure. who loved the Lord and trying to, but, and they didn't do it, I don't think, in any way of uh, maybe obeying a command or anything, but somehow I've just saw them do this extraordinary act of grace and forgiveness and goodness. And I've seen it happen. I, I don't know if they were doing it overtly to obey any scripture. But I, it did have a transforming effect on the person that did. did uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book or seen the movie uh, uh, Les Miserables. Oh, several times, sure. Uh, it, it is a perfect example of that happening. The, uh, Jean Valjean, this, uh, he's been in prison for 20 years. He, he gets out of prison. He's angry. He's resentful. Uh, he's bitter about his experience. He almost certainly headed back to prison. But he goes into this uh, priest's home for supper one night. He, he kind of begging his way, and the and this believer invites him into his home, feeds him a good supper and a nice bed and a nice rest. And he gets up in the middle of the night and he steals all the silver yes. from the priest, or from this this man who has taken him in and shown him kindness. And then he gets caught the next day, and they bring him back. And the uh, the priest says, at that point, that you know, he says, I gave him the silver. Yes. He didn't steal it. I gave it to right. him. And, then, of course, in the priest's heart and mind, he did. Uh, Jean Valjean's motive was just to be a thief and steal it. But the priest say, no, no, I gave it to him. It's true. And so they, they take off his shackles and they free him. And then he says, with this silver, I bought your soul. You're no longer a slave to evil and to selfishness and, and, and anger. Uh, you know, now you, you belong to God. And, and Jean Valjean, he's just overwhelmed by this act of kindness and grace and forgiveness and it, and it has a transforming effect on it. the whole rest of the book this great classic novel Les Miserables uh, and if you maybe you've seen the movie or the musical version I guess was best picture of the year about three years ago with uh, Anne Hathaway and who was it that played Jean Valjean uh, uh, the Wolfman yeah yeah uh, our, our <laughs> the yeah. Wolfman exactly but uh, anyway that whole thing was written on this basis of Forgiveness, and this guy, this man who he he stole from him, but he gave him the silver, the silver candlesticks. He forgave him. He set him up. He sent him off with with uh, money to start a new life, right. and he forgave him. And it's kind of an example of what you're talking about. Well, and, and for example, lives change yeah, because well, of that. they do. And if it's a it's a person that hasn't built them to be a decent person, and you show them kindness, they will become a different person. If not then they're an animal. But, uh, for example, the other law is... Uh, is always, uh, <laughs> That's going to take some explaining to that. Well, we'll talk about that. Go ahead, go ahead. But anyway, the other one is is that if a guy comes to you and he once was a slave, in other words, we know one of two ways, he was a baseball player, say, or he stole something. Look at 2316. It says, 
He can live with you in your midst in a place he shall choose in one of your towns where he pleases, and you shall not oppress him or mistreat him. Do you know what that means? In other words, you don't ridicule him, you don't bring it up to him, you don't say, hey, you're a, you know, you are a thief and you are a slave. That's forbidden in Jewish law. You, a guy gets a fresh start, he gets a fresh start. Now, do we do that in America? The answer is no. Yeah, the, it's so classic, we can choose. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, where a person, you know, he's an ex-con now, he's been uh, in, so now he can't get right. a job, nobody and, trusts him. And the logic of any human being, mine too, is that, well, of course, I don't want to take any chances, et cetera, et cetera. But that's part of the thing that I find fascinating is I'm not disagreeing with that logic. I'm just saying that really changes when I, I'm required to do something that I don't want to do, but the God says what I'm supposed to do. I think that's fascinating. And may I give you another example? I don't see why not. Well, okay. David, the yeah, one of your questions today. Whoa, yeah. One of, and one of your questions is when David became king, and yeah. one of your questions is, it's, it's actually in chapter thirty-eight. Uh, yeah. Well, and he says, uh, he, well, and, yeah, and he does. He says, uh, let's see, uh, he has to. Uh, you're number sixteen. The king of Israel must have a copy of what book could be read every day. You'll find the answer in seventeen. Uh, actually, fourteen, fifteen, and and nineteen. Okay. It's fascinating. See, the law is this. You'll. It's now, this is Moses telling the people of Israel that before they even had a king. This is true. And he says, "Your mm-hmm. king, your leader, yes, uh-huh. must have a copy of the Torah, the law, yes. and read it every day." Yes. Except if you look closely, what it says, <clears throat> he had the guy that's going to be king has to write two copies. One is kept by the Levites, and the other one has to always be set in front of him. In other words, he's being told, this is God's law. This is not about you being king. You only can execute God's laws. It was meant to make sure that, and he had to write it in his own hands so that he knew what the law was. He could never say, I didn't know. And therefore, it's just like when everybody gets on those two mountains and they say, they hear it. They can't say, I didn't know. They know. So the king himself must write it. And then it's right there, and that's why it's considered a witness against him. I've got an idea. Why don't we write a law that requires the president, maybe the vice president, all of our national leaders, to write their own copy of the Constitution? Uh-huh. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'd I, obey it. I don't think that's a bad thing to do. But, you know, the God wanted that because it was saying, to even to the king, you're not the ultimate authority here. You're only doing what I said do. That's, now, that's, that's why yeah. that was the whole point of why this little tiny piece of land of Israel was supposed to obey God's laws. If nowhere else in the world they do, at least you have one place where God gets his laws done. That's the idea. And at times, rarely, but every now and again, it worked. Every now and again, you saw it shine when the people were repentant and humble and they sought after God. And often it came after a big failure, a big frustration, a a great tragedy that got them into that position of humility and brokenness before God. But when it it worked and when they came back to that point of, of truly humbly seeking God and obeying God, blessing was indeed poured out. They experienced protection and guidance and provision from God. And, uh, we saw it, we saw it, we see it working even today yeah. as well in our own and who who yeah, and who would really think i mean let's face it would i want to do it no but you know uh, what is it 15 15 
Thir- uh, 13 and 14. Deuteronomy Thir- chapter 15. Thir- yeah, 15, verse 13, 14. Uh-huh. It says, When you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. 14, you shall furni- furnish him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Now, this is the law. Do I want to do that? No. Let's be honest. I don't. But you know what? I can't get around the fact that's what God said to do. And he said, you know, if nowhere else in the world is going to do this, I want this little tiny piece of land where the Jews are. I want you guys to do it. So people we should see that the world should be able to see that modeled in the people. Of there God. is that the is, answer yeah. it, in Israel. It should be done. And everybody, if they're decent people, will see it and say, you know, that's the better way you to know, live. Jacob, it works, though. And now I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about it. And. I, I'm surrounded in my life, and I had not even thought about it to this moment. In in our ministry out at Lackland, in our, of course here on the radio program or the other radio program that we broadcast to Native Americans across the United States and Canada, in all the different areas of ministry that I'm a part of, I can think of right now five, uh, five men. There are all, most of my ministry is to men. I don't really have a lot to do with women, because. Because really, I, who has a clue about women? I, <laughs> oh, not are you going to get leather? So, I know, I, with soapy dollar, I, you know, I was raised in an orphanage for boys. Uh, sure, sure. My whole Sit, life. Try to get some sympathy yeah, now. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I just say, it, 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 but uh, five of the, the who do have, in fact, now that I think of it, I, I could call them my name. Uh, these well, let's not call who, their names. <laughs> who no, but but have a record, have a criminal record in their past. And just now, and each one of them, solid men I would entrust you know my family and life to. They're people who love the Lord. Uh, I, I try, it is interesting you say that. I had, I've never overtly thought of it myself, but love them like brothers, trust them. In each case, it helped them in some way in terms of their own lives and try to. I think it is a. This isn't something that we have to kind of legalistically come to. I think that those of us who know the Lord, mm-hmm. it's in our hearts to do that. I, I think it's part of our nature. I know we didn't get a lot of time to it. A couple of things I would have loved to discuss, but we're out of time. Well, we'll read the rest of the book of Deuteronomy this week and go on back to the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark next week. So maybe we'll touch uh, some of those issues that you're thinking of next week in the program. Folks, thanks for joining us. This is Sophie Jacobs, and good night to you. God bless you this week. We'll see you back here on the Bible Live Quiz Show next Sunday. God bless The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.